Welcome back this week to the Book and Life podcast. And we are going to be going into the most amazing mind today. I could not have done the jump to adult romance if it was not for this lovely lady. But before I introduce her to all of you guys, I have to do a quick little advert for Marianne Curley's The Shadow. And it is her fourth book in the Time Guardian series. The battle is over, the war is won, the prophecy complete, but life just picked up where it left off for Ethan. Struggling to cope with tragic loss at odds with friends in the guard, he finds himself adrift, jumping at shadows and sensing someone who can't possibly be there. Blaming herself for the goddess Athena's death, Giselle swears revenge and vilify the immortal's plan for world domination, but Giselle hadn't planned on love. And that leaves her with an unbearable choice. Should she follow her heart or the strings of a goddess? Short on praise, but high on expectation, who continues to pull her from the grave. As the guard and the order battle through the past and into the impossible future, darkness lurks around every corner. The fight for the world's survival rests with just one. Is it friend or foe who stands in the shadows? So now I can introduce the most amazing um, adult fantasy writer and adult romance writer I have ever had the pleasure of talking to and meeting, Sarah Humphreys. My goodness. Well, thank you for such a lovely introduction, Crystal. I appreciate it very much. And I want to go read that book now, The Shadow. It sounds pretty good. It did, too. Yeah. Like, I didn't know about the fourth one before I did her interview. She was my first interview. And uh, I was like darn it, she's, she's released another one and I missed it. <laughs> that was me, 2am, looking on eBay to try and find a copy of it. I was just like, but there's another one coming. She's doing the fifth one. Oh, and I was like, right. I'm like two or three behind now. So I'm like, oops. Be a good <laughs> I'm, I'm never up to date. Yeah, it, it, it's nice the thing. Like if you're following a lot of authors like I do and you're reading constantly like I do, you sometimes miss the books. And sure. especially I started a BA honors program. This is my second year. And of course, we're reading all different kinds of books and stuff. So I don't get to read all the stuff that I want to read because I'm too busy reading the material for class. But I've been so lucky this year because I got to read the crime novel by Fiona Cummings, which is out on the 19th of this month Mm. before anybody else has. So like when I sit down to talk to her on her release day, I'll actually actually know know all about it. So she'll have Mm. lots of things to I am scared I give it all away, but, you know, it's <laughs> nice that the publisher sent me a free copy and we're like, here, you know, have this. I'm like, Absolutely. Okay. Take those perks where you get them. Yeah. Free books. Hey, uh, if it means I don't have to spend money in the bookshop, I'm, I'm good. Because <laughs> I think my husband's going to kill me if I get any more books. Um, I hear that. I know that feeling. I just want to make sure my battery doesn't die here. I'm just going to plug into a. So Not keep... a problem. Sorry. So keep going. Oh. I'm ready. <laughs> Well, this is just a conversation. As I say, every week we sit down with some of the best minds in publishing and we really talk about what makes us tick as humans because I'm dispelling the myth that all of us authors sit in caves, um, that we're super rich and that we hide away and we don't have normal lives because, by the way, we do. And you would never believe how many of us are sitting on buses behind you actually picking up your conversations and some of them might even inspire us to write about you. So I like to, I'm dispelling this because 
<laughs> I went to um, a book signing and it was my own. And somebody asked me, like, are you so pale because you sit indoors all day? And I was like, <laughs> I was like, wonder where she got that from. And then she even said to me, she's like, oh, I, I thought authors were, you know, people that didn't like to come outside. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I want to disprove this myth of us not having lives and families. And definitely, you know, I know a lot of authors that love to party a lot so you know yeah. it's like we're not we're not all shut-ins <laughs> no no if you've ever been to a romance novel convention you'll know that the authors like to party yeah oh yeah yeah uh and if you can wear a really fancy dress while doing it they're 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 up for it so um Absolutely. that's kind of the point of this is just to show them that we're normal people and i mean a lot of them they never get to go to these romance conferences so um, especially now with COVID, people are picking up romance novels, they're falling in love with Bridgerton, but they have no idea about, like, I suppose the dedication we put into this mm. and the time that we put into this. And I think that's where I, I'd love this podcast to kind of, like, bring them into that knowledge, but at the same time not completely ruin our own magic in how we uh, we put books together. But also to let them know that we have our wild sides and we do like a good party. And that's what a romance <laughs> convention's for. Thanks. I'm sorry. What happens at a romance convention stays at a romance convention. That is very true. That is very true. I think we all agree on that too, which is, yes. which is um, pretty amazing. So we're going to start with um, some book related questions. Cause if you're like me, you'll read a lot. Mm -hmm. I read a lot because I, I actually, when I started, they told me, um, read a lot, it'll help your dyslexia. Mm. I never knew how much it would help my dyslexia. So I, I read everything and anything I can get my hands on. And I actually read a lot of your books, as I was saying to you yeah. before we started. And it was like, I had always feared entering into adult romance because it, it's such it's such a hard group of readers to really connect with sometimes. Mm. And I was very scared of, well, where's the line? What, How far can I go with things? And how far should I pull? Like, when should I pull back and stuff? Mm -hmm. And reading your books, I was like, oh, oh, I can really <laughs> just let go. I, why mm -hmm. am I so scared of this? Like, okay. And yeah, I, I bought all your books. Oh, well. <laughs> and that was me. Like, I have a whole shelf just, just for you. Oh, um, my husband you. goes, my husband goes, really, do you need all these books? Every time we move. <laughs> Honestly, he, he cries because, like, <laughs> we filled an entire, yeah, we filled an entire bedroom with a lot of books. Well, like, my whole spare have, room so. was just boxes. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's my legacy to my kids. So. Oh, that's lovely. Oh, well, when I have one. <laughs> that's lovely. So what uh, book have you recently read that stuck with you the most? Well, you know, I've actually been with my day job, which is uh, I work in senior care, senior living, um, is I very time-consuming. Yeah. So it's, especially with the pandemic, as you can imagine, it's really, you know, taken over. So I haven't had a ton of free time to read, which is always upsetting. So what I've been doing is going back, because it's easier reading, is rereading some of my favorite books. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I reread the Ghost Walker series by Chris, everything by Christine Feehan. She is an absolute master of romance and paranormal in particular. Um, yeah. 
I also and her have, characters are off the charts. Oh, yeah, really. Off her the her heroes good. are just all you know, super alpha and everything. But I love her heroines too. I just she everything she writes, I love. So I, I, I reread um, her Ghost Walkers. Uh, I love, of course, the Carpathian series by Christine. Also, um, yeah, I've never reached the end of that. That is such a long series. It is. I haven't read them all, to be honest with you. I haven't. Um, and I wish that I, I you know, I, I read some some self. I want to say self help. I mean, I guess it is. But I've been reading a little nonfiction lately too. But really, in terms yeah. of the romance, I go back and I reread my favorites. And that is yeah. I I think that's easier, especially with the pressure of the pandemic. My mom mm-hmm. also works in care, ah. and you know she um she worked in a care home during the pandemic. And I was up there. I was actually living with her, teaching mm. at the time, and it was just you know it was so awful to see her doing all these double and triple shifts because there were so few people there to like help. Yeah. And agency staff were not showing up. And there was so many, like, and I really felt for her. And it was like, all I could do in the mornings for her was make a cup of coffee and stick the fire on for her. Mm-hmm. So the house would be warm. And, you know, and then I always felt guilty because here I am working on a computer in my pajamas. <laughs> as I think a lot of us did when we were in lockdown. Yeah. And, and just feeling really guilty because she's tracking out in these awful, we had the awful summer heat wave for two years straight. Mm. So she's got, she's in a care home with no air conditioning mm-hmm. and it was just suffocatingly hot. And yeah, I, I, anyone that worked through the pandemic in care, in teaching, yeah. in nursing, I have n- endless amount of respect for because it, it, it was, it was so tough. And it still is because it's not over. People just assume because everything's lifted, it's over. Hey, guys, it's really not. It's not. I mean, it's much less severe. People aren't getting as sick. It's really, if they're vaccinated, it's more like a cold. And But, you know, it certainly altered the uh, landscape of our society, no doubt. Um, But, Mm -hmm. yeah, so unfortunately, you know, I I haven't have any new books to talk about other than the ones I've, uh, the series I love, which anything by Christine Feehan, uh, another author who might not be as well known, but I think she's just terrific, is Lori Handelin. And uh, she yeah, has. I've a, heard of her. Yeah, yeah. her Night Creature uh, series are, is terrific. Um, so, yeah, those are my, my, what I've been reading, like my go to. If I'm, I'm stressed out, it's an easy read because I've already read them, you know? Um, and it's, yeah. and I was, I read something recently about uh, why we like to reread books or rewatch movies or TV shows is because it's actually a stress reliever because you do know the outcome. So yeah. it, cause I, when I'm stressed out, I will do that. I will rewatch programs or I will, you know, m- movies or I'll reread books and it makes sense. Cause if you're stressed out, you know, and you, you go back to something like that and kind of sink into whatever that world is, it's familiar and it makes you feel safe. And cause you know what the outcome is. Yeah, and it does it does actually make you feel better. For me, unfortunately, my sort of go-to is wrestling, which because it's not a romance series. It's mm. not it's not something that's going to impact anything that I'm writing, mm-hmm. and it's almost like I can watch the matches and just enjoy the matches sure. as for what they are. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no commitment to it. Mm-hmm. And so many people say to me, "Oh, it, you know, but it's like reality TV. Wrestling's nothing like reality TV." Mm-hmm. But it, it's, it challenges you because it's like a love story, but not a love story. Because these two people sometimes are fighting over just the love of a championship mm-hmm. or to be the better person. Um, 
so that that's my go-to. Um, but I I I got into Shirley Cannon around about the same time I got into Christine Freeman, mm. and I must admit, like I got so into her series, and then because there's so many, I couldn't keep up. I couldn't <laughs> keep up with how many was coming out. So I'm like lagging behind now. But I found um, what's it? A Court of Thorns and Roses was really good. Mm, I haven't read that one yet. I have to read that though. I, I tell you, I have a long, oh. a long list of books I would love to read, and unfortunately, just with you know the hours I put in the last yeah. couple of years have been bananas. I just got back from a vacation, which was wonderful, and I want to read more because I first fell in love like everybody else with Bridgerton. I'd love to read more Regency. And historical romance, which I typically did yeah. not read. I, I really read and loved fantasy and paranormal romance, which was why I, you know, I wrote the kind of books that I love to read. Um, exactly. But I've, I, now I want to I want to branch out a little bit because I am writing again and I have a book that's woefully overdue to my publisher. I think they've given up on me. <laughs> Um, but, uh, they never do. Well, I hope not. <laughs> so I'm trying to finish this book that I've been working on for more time than I care to admit. And, um, but I, I do want to read cause I do love it. And so I want to read something that's very different from what I'm writing. Yeah. And it, it's good to step away as well and almost just go like, <sighs> if, especially if you're like writing in a certain genre, mm-hmm. I always feel like you get kind of stressed out because you're constantly thinking, am I hitting these beats? Is this story flowing right mm-hmm. well, I, I hope i don't have any potholes you know well it's big, it's hard you get it you have to situation. get out of your head i know the more books i've written actually the harder i always thought it would get easier to write and it doesn't at least i don't think it does it gets harder because you start editing yourself you know you can fall into that trap of trying to edit as you go or criticizing yourself yeah. and then rereading old stuff because, you know, if I'm writing, I'm writing a book in this dragon series or the Amavea Rising, which is the dragon shifter, the second dragon shifter book. And I had to go back and reread because, you know, honestly, the manuscript sat unattended for quite a while. So I had to go back and reread the first book to make sure <laughs> that I have all the nuances from because those shifters are different the than the Amaveo shifters. So anyway, it's, um, <clears throat> it can be pretty awful when you're doing it. I think like when you're going back and you're rereading stuff and you're like, Oh, like, cause you see the mistakes that a lot of people don't yeah, see. Or you just think you could have you... written it better. You think, Oh, what, a, you know, I re yeah. I reread my recently again for, because I'm writing something I had to go back and the very first book I ever wrote. And I just thought, Oh God, it was a book of my heart, but it's just not a very good book. <laughs> so uh, you know, I mean, it's it got published by a wonderful publisher and they took a chance on me when, you know, nobody else would. And I'm so grateful. I love my publishing house. But, um, yeah, it's hard. You know, you're always going to be your own worst critic. And I think the more books you write, the more you learn and the more you I think the more self-critical, at least more self-critical I can be, certainly as a writer. So, yeah, I'm I'm the same. I try yeah. to just, I mean, step I'm out the of same. It, you know, and just leave it and and just do the work and get it on the page and then. You know, then do the editing once it's all on the page, which is where I'm at right now. This book's about not quite halfway, just a little over halfway finished. That's cool. And that's the great thing. It's so nice to hear that you're back writing because there's so many authors with this pandemic that have not returned to writing. And it's or we've lost a lot of writers Mm -hmm. to this this last two years, which has gone unnoticed. And that's heartbreaking to me because, you know, we've lost Shirley, uh, not Shirley Cannon, but we've lost Rachel Kane. Mm. We've. 
you know, we've lost some independent authors that were doing really well, and some of them have passed on for medical reasons, mm -hmm. and others just walked away because it was too compl it was too difficult to continue doing what we all love and well do. it's very tough to make your living at it i mean you know i did it for yeah. i was home full-time writing for five years and i was also did public speaking training and things but it really was yeah. not sustaining me financially I mean, my husband works as well and so i went back to find kind of my second act career and which had me in senior care which i really love it's my absolutely my pat i'm as passionate about that as I'm about, about writing, maybe even more in some ways, because you're taking care. It's not about yeah. me. It's about taking care of other people, other people. Um, but I'm just now kind of getting back able to, I, I literally, and I think this happened to a lot of people too, when you're in a high stress situation like the pandemic, you know, that doesn't always leave a lot of creative space because it takes, and then it actually takes a lot of energy, even though you're physically not, doing a lot, at least from my perspective, when I'm not doing a lot physically when you're writing, it does take a lot of brain power and a lot of mental and emotional does, energy. Yeah. And I just didn't have it during the pandemic to give to the page. I had to give every single ounce of myself to my job. And I'm yeah. glad I did it. It was, you know, we kept people safe yeah. and we grew our community and we're, and we're still going strong. Um, and now that, you know, the pandemic has eased up, certainly I'm able to actually, I actually now have that space to go back and I miss it. I missed having a creative outlet uh, tremendously. Yeah. And cause I've always done something creative my, for my whole life, really, um, whether it was acting or writing, but, um, yeah, so it's, it's nice now to actually have some some space around it and be able to do it. But I, I'm sure that's why I would imagine that's why a lot of people might've struggled with writing during the pandemic, but because, you know, some people, they, they have a tough time and they'll dive into their writing as an escape. Um, yeah, but, I did that. Yeah. Which yeah. I've done. But in this case, I had literally had no mental or emotional collateral left to invest anywhere else. Yeah. Now I do. So that's and that's the thing. Yeah. And, and and that's the thing that people don't realize is when we're writing, we are physically, emotionally connected into every story mm -hmm. that we write. And it's almost like whatever our characters go through, we're going through it. And there's, you know, we have to bear witness almost to, to that entire journey. And for particularly for me in general, like I was at home in a pandemic my husband had just moved up to Shetland. He'd never lived there for any long periods of time. And then he's in lockdown with me. He doesn't know what to do with himself. So he's like bored around the house. My dad's bored around the house and I'm trying to write. And it's like, I really wanted to kick them out of the house so bad. <laughs> I <know. laughs> but I couldn't go anywhere because I was classed as high mm. risk. So I had to stay home either way. And I had just gone up there, I was teaching, I was running youth clubs, I was really getting into like what I call who I was, like it was like I'd finally healed from all the astrotic stuff mm. and I was getting my life back on track. And then the pandemic hit and it just completely wiped everything away from me. Mm. And then I got sepsis. Mm. Oh my goodness. In the middle of the pandemic, I was like, wow, my luck well, sucks. I'm glad you've come out so the other side, I had to... thank goodness for that. 
Yeah, I I mean it was it was so scary because doctors all missed it. There was scans that got mm. missed. And then it wasn't until I moved back um, from Shetland to the mainland of Scotland that they caught it. And what was um, very curious to them was I'd actually walled it off. So my body had, like, walled it off from the rest of my body. And it was, like, almost saying, we're not going to supply this area with what it needs to grow or make Mm -hmm. this worse. And I was like this is scary. Like, this is actually scary. And I went, it was like January last year, they took my joints out and I had no jaw joints. And I spent my whole of January lying in hospital with no visitors, none at all. And I was going through some pretty awful procedures Mm -hmm. because they had to do everything they can. And for six months, I was in and out that hospital waiting to get my jaw joints back in. And then I finally got to go in for them. And it went horribly wrong, and I ended up getting a breathing tube in my neck. And the following week was supposed to be my wedding day, and I was actually in surgery. And my husband came, my future husband came, and he sat next to me at 3 o'clock in the morning, and he held my hand before surgery. I thought it was the sweetest thing sweet. sweetest thing he ever did. Yeah, he got out of his bed at 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> he drove to the hospital, and he sat with me till they took me down. He actually walked all the way down to the doors. It took me into the anesthetic. Yeah, he was such a sweetheart. He really was. And I, my, I got married November fifteenth. Congratulations! And I know it took me like three, four years because we just had to keep postponing it because it was like, well, COVID. Yeah, you can't Pandemic, do this. You can't right? do that. And yeah, and I thought, gosh, I could have been married for like two years by oh, now. Oh man! Well, <laughs> I'm glad everything worked out. Yeah, and that was the thing. Like, I mean, there was, I always say this to everybody, there is positives about this pandemic, even though we've all been through hell because everyone's got an awful story mm. to tell. Um, we're lucky because we're still Amen here. That. And, you know, we've all learned something, whether it's slowing our lives down and enjoying the beauty mm-hmm. of the day or whether it's just, you know, enjoying a simple book by in the garden yeah. during the day absolutely like, enjoy life because it's not here forever it's kind of being well, that is motto. the truth of it for sure yes so who do you wish that you had more time to sit and just enjoy if you could just put your feet up nobody interrupts you you don't have to go and do anything mm-hmm. you can just sit and enjoy oh that's easy my kids my four sons <laughs> i have four boys I remember. are all um, <laughs> older now, of course, but my oldest just got married. So honestly, if I could be with anybody, right. I would I would be with the four of them. Just sit with them. That That is such a good <laughs> answer. It's the truth. Yeah. They are, you know, the, the whole, my whole reason for being. And, you know, we all have, you know, we all hopefully find our purpose in the world. And, you know, I think that, you know, big part of my purpose is being their mother. So, yeah, just being with them, especially now that they're older and, you know, venturing out to do their own things. Um, and that's that's a great thing. Once you're a mom, it's like you get a whole other sort of, I would say, like, focus oh, yeah. in life. Where you are the most, the, this person that you've just given birth to is the most important thing to you. Yep. Because you've carried it for nine months. 
you've gone through all the lovely joys of being pregnant and now this person's 100% dependent on you. Um, so yeah, I always say motherhood gives you a clarity that you don't otherwise have. Absolutely. And I, I think that it, you know, it, to have, what, I think it's what Irma Bombeck who said, it's like having your soul, your heart walk around outside your body. I think that's an incredibly appropriate description. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and especially now that they're, you know, they're older and they're off having their own lives. It's yeah. Anytime I can get to spend with the four of them, it's, is really the best. In fact, one of my boys is here and hoping to play a game of Scrabble with me as soon as we're done. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I will, uh, I will certainly be making sure that we are having a speedy conversation <laughs> no, then, because <laughs> I, I'm... <laughs> and that's the thing. Like, I, I've discovered. Like, I went, I spent so much time with my family during mm. the pandemic, and I was so grateful that I had that opportunity. Because, I mean, it was, it was amazing. Absolutely. So, is there an author? past present who's influenced you maybe inspired you oh, got you excited absolutely about and I, I know i've said her name like three times but christine feehan i mean she is to me is just the pinnacle you know kind of the end all be all i hope my dog doesn't run away here um for writers <laughs> as a as a romance and a fantasy yeah. romance writer and you know one of my career highs was getting to meet her and actually be um at a you know host a party with her at a romance at one of the romantic times conventions. And it was just like an absolute career high. Cause here I was, you know, meeting and working with alongside one of my idols. Um, and then she gave me, she, I asked her if she would mind reading my book for give me a cover quote. And she yeah. did. <laughs> so that was like an absolute. Um, and I know as an author, that's not something, you know, you take on lightly or easily. And um, so anyway, I was that yeah, I would love to sit and chat with her more. I think she's terrific. Um, and of course, Nora Roberts. And her mind's amazing. She's awesome. I've signed yeah, with her I mean, a few her... times and she's hilarious too. Very funny lady. And here's the thing that people don't realize is when we're actually signing as a group, we have so much fun because when we have those lulls, oh, yeah. you know, those little breaks, the, the conversations that goes on, <laughs> I mean, honestly, would would. Yeah, well, like you're, yeah, you're, <laughs> you should so be a fly on the wall well, for those. You're sitting with you know like-minded people who are passionate about the same things you are. So even if you come, you know, matter, no matter where you come from in the world, what part of the world, or you know, you you share common ground. So you know, it's going to lend itself to shenanigans. Yeah, and, and it's the thing is, all of us authors, we love having fun. We love having a cup of a cup of mm -hmm. something. And a bit of a laugh and a giggle. And I actually got asked once, uh, what would be my dream panel? And I actually said, Christine Freeham, you, Shirley Kennan, and Rachel oh. Kane, just all of us sitting wow, together. that would have been really nice. And <laughs> everybody was like, oh, that would be interesting. And I was like, you have no well, idea. Well, that would have been a good time. <laughs> the conversations we'd have. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm really flattered to be included in that. So thank you very much. Because, you know, sometimes you wonder. I'm like, I don't know if anybody reads these or likes them, but <laughs> you do wonder. I, yeah, I, I certainly had those moments. Like when I wrote the Burries World Series with Joe, I was like, is anybody reading these? Like, <laughs> And then when I did my first tour, my ever first book tour, and I sold out oh, everywhere. That must have been so exciting. I was just, I was just blown away. And, you know, it didn't. Like, I didn't worry about the fact the books were turning up late or that they hadn't put up marketing banners or any of that. 
it was the fact that all these local people came into mm-hmm. the shop because they knew that there was an author signing, yeah. but they had no idea who I was. And they all bought the books because they were like, oh, there's this person here signing. And it was so nice. And even when I went into Glasgow and I did a signing in my, and that was at the time my base, they were so welcoming and so happy to have me. And that to me was like my career pinnacle oh. almost because I was like, it cannot get better than this. But then I, I kind of set myself high because one day I want to do the romance oh, yeah. conference. I want to be there kind of as an author, sitting at my table, having conversations with people. That's my dream. So that's the next oh. sort of goal, whether I have to go there as media and just do podcasts all week or whether I get no, to go and just have fun and sit author, I'm sure if you come up, if you want to do one of those conventions, you just want to make sure you come up with a really cool engaging uh panel idea you know with you and a couple other authors and you know what you pitch your panel and you know i tell you what you ever want to pitch a panel together i'm i'm with you we can do it oh that's fantastic i will definitely keep you to that (laughs) because i am coming out and i'll have something to promote Yeah, and I think, you know, if we can get a, a really interesting panel together, we could have some fun in that room Absolutely. together. Absolutely, I'm in. Sure. Yeah, because, I mean, I, it's so weird. I've had so many amazing guests coming on here, and I'm literally covering every genre. You would not believe it. We've had, we're going to have crime novelists on, we've got children's authors on, we've got fantasy authors on, we've got romance authors on, and we even have period drama people coming, and I was just so blown away. Um, there's, you know, and you just never realize how many are open to the idea. And then, you know, so I might, I might pitch a panel and be like, Hey, hubby, we're going to the romance convention. I I I think he would. The RT convention. I don't know if that still goes on. I know it romantic times. The magazine doesn't go anymore, but I'm not sure. I know there's other, there's lots of other conventions that are still going on. I think I think we need to wait a year just to see, like, because I think if we give it a year, the pandemic will be much calmer down than what it I is now, so. and we might see more open up. Because even here, like in Scotland, we are still doing conventions, mm-hmm. Comic Con, and things like that, but it's so mm-hmm. restricted. And I had a couple of friends who were doing a signing over in Glasgow, and they said it was it was mm-hmm. awful. That was the one of the worst they'd ever done because they were behind yeah that's not what it's about yeah they couldn't no and you couldn't take photos and you couldn't Mm. sign and you know they had to buy pre-signed items like everything had to be pre-signed and then it had to stay for for 24 hours oh yeah that's so like nothing could contaminate it and i thought that that's got to be awful just to think about how much you'd have to put into that yeah that's i mean i couldn't imagine doing that for a romance i mean it kind of defeats the whole purpose of going and because it's really about Mm -hmm. connecting with people and you know the 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 romance time book the romantic time book lover convention and then of course the the rwa conference that was always so great for as a writer in terms of you know what you could learn there with the workshops and and everything yeah um and really it's about, you know, you connect with a group of people who are, you know, kind of all in the same boat you are and everybody is passionate about the same thing. And it really, it's a lovely and all of community, us nervous. you know, so it's, it's, so to have yeah, people separated really like that, it kind of defeats the whole purpose of getting everybody together and, 
all that jazz. Yeah, that's that's kind of why I'm wanting to like leave it to Lings or a lot camera down, and you know, because I was going to do a writer's thing up mm-hmm. in Shetland. I was going to try and organize that, and it was just chaos because it was just so the wrong time mm-hmm. to do it. And they had to shut down all their fire festivals and all the Shetland cultural festivals that mm-hmm. we did because it was too risky to the mm-hmm. public and it killed the spirit of the island for so long because you know this was what everyone looked forward to everyone saved their money for was these little experiences mm-hmm. at the end of the year where they just had a blowout it was 24 hours of celebrating viking culture and the music and dancing and just mm. letting go and i think it's almost like our viking celebration and romance is when we go to the romance <laughs> convention and you just go <gasps> But even like because they had started a Titanic oh. in Ireland, and that one, that one was, I mean, red carpet arrival for all wow. authors, like <laughs> with pictures and televised entrances, and then you had the televised ball, and they went over the top wow. with that, and then it shut down just at the mm-hmm. pandemic started, and um, it's not reopened yet because Ireland's Ireland's getting hit pretty oh, hard no. again. But I was like, that is, that's got to be our British equivalent to the Romantic Times mm. convention. Because it was like, same idea, book covers on all the elevators, mm. and there was special dining and menus and dancing and music. And it it was just, oh, wow. I watched it on TV. That and sounds thought, like fun. Wow. It did. It did. And the panel's ideas were the same. Like, they were pulling the best authors from all over the country. They had American authors over there, too. And uh, I just fell in love with it. I was just like, oh, I want to go. And then by the time I I got a chance to go, it was Well, maybe I'll come back. (laughs) Yeah. So is there a particular genre that you're drawn to if you're in a bookshop or you're looking at some books online? Is that oh, like a genre that you automatically go paranormal to? Paranormal romance, no question. That's always my go-to, always, always. But like I, I'm fantasy romance, so I know what you mean. No yep. doubt, <laughs> vampires, werewolves, shifters. Um, but I, like I said, I am exploring now because I'm writing again. I don't, you know, now I'm going more for like a regency. Um, yeah, yeah, something along those lines. Um, you know, Outlander, of course. I remember one of my first oh, art yeah, of the I, I, Diana Gabaldon was a speaker. And that was that was pretty cool. Wow. She was a keynote speaker at the luncheon, I think, or the breakfast. I don't remember what meal it was. But um and that was pretty yeah. wild. And she was a very good speaker and yeah. She's she's an incredible woman. Um I think I had a couple of conversations with her on Twitter. Um there was a couple like to begin with when I realized she was writing a lot of the Scottish dialect that is where I struggled because Scottish dialect is very it's very kind of cornered mm-hmm. into certain areas so like in Inverness you speak in a certain way if you're in Starlin it's a different way to Edinburgh mm. to, to Glasgow and it, there was almost at times where she would get like the areas mm. confused and it would throw me right out the book and I it took me a long time to almost mm. like turn that off to be able to enjoy it and once I did, I really did enjoy it. But until I did that, I was I struggled mm. so mad with it. But I met Debbie Hartness oh, yeah. three years ago. She, I mm. loved her. She actually knew my, she knew who I was, which was That's amazing awesome. to me. Because I'm just 
this little Scottish author who nobody knows. And uh, she was like, you need to send me Carla. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay. I don't know if she's ever read it, but um, I was like, okay, I'll send it to her. And it was, you know, because she was like, I was asking these really good questions about writing. You know, the ones that you kind of, you think of, and then you're like, oh, Mm -hmm. I wish I could ask an author that especially if you're you're early in your career and I was I'm midway through my career I'm like 11 years in now 11 12 years in now and I was like that to her I was like you know when you're writing do you do this do Mm -hmm. you use music do you see it as a movie or do you see as a jigsaw puzzle and she's just looking at me and I think she knew Mm -hmm. that's a writer over there (laughs) you know it's like the hardest she even said out loud to the whole room this is the hardest these are the hardest questions I've ever had and I really, I think I almost put her in her back foot because she wasn't expecting any of it. So when she pulled me aside at the end and she was like, not only have you got the American covers of my book, she said, you, you're asking the sort of questions I wish people would ask. So I, I, that was me. I was sold on her after that. I don't feel like her series was given as much. I I just felt like the series fell flat compared to the books that, she, that came out for the Discovery of Witches. But I like the, well, books, the books a lot are, better. I like the fact yeah. that they had Well, I think books too, you know, a book is always, like Nora Roberts, somebody went up to her once and said, they ruined your book. And she said, no, they didn't. She picked up the book. She said, the book's right here. So, uh, <laughs> that is the best because, thing I've heard. You know, about if you that, take something yeah. from, a, a book is going to, it's going to be different for everybody who reads it because you're applying your own perspective exactly. and life experience to everything you're reading. So your perception of what you're reading is going to be when you have what experience you have with a book will not be the same as somebody else. Um, and, and because you exactly. are filling in as a reader, you fill in a lot of the gaps, you know, you put the, you put it in a picture in your brain when you're reading it. And when it's a film or a television yep. show, the picture is created for you. And it's very unlikely that yeah. it's going to exactly match the picture you had in your head. So it's almost always a, a disappointment yes, and then, for people who loved a book pri- uh, mm-hmm. as opposed to the film version or TV version. Yeah. And it, it's it's a shame because I'm so lucky over here when I mm-hmm. discovered Catherine Cookson, her stuff that was written down was exactly how they did it on television as TV movies. So it was like almost amazing to see like the entire mm-hmm. book as she'd written it down she was so so obsessed with this but she was like down to the Mm. person's hair color if it had to match her book descriptions because she said otherwise everybody's going to be massively disappointed well she she was right she's lucky she she was right to do that because what happens a lot of the times is the writers don't you know especially if you're yeah you don't we don't get the contract you sign and all that yeah and, I, and that's what I, I always say to people, like, you know, when they say, oh, if Marie's World was a series, and I'm like, I really, part of me hopes it doesn't, because I'm scared it ruins it for the readers that have read it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like, you kind of want people to, mm-hmm. this outside of the book world to experience it, so that you get an opportunity to sort of let your characters mm-hmm. roam free. So I'm always half and half on that. But I've always said that if I did sign a contract, to have it made i would i would have a say in it i would do my best to keep it as close to the novel as i can i will probably fail but Listen. i will try <laughs> and at least then i can say to them at the end well if you don't ask the question the answer is always no 
Exactly. And I've learned that, especially in entertainment. If you don't ask, you Very don't get true. it. So. Very true. Yeah, and I learned that from, yeah, I learned that when I was training as a writer. So we're going into the mm -hmm. writing side of things. So this is where the okay. tougher questions come in. How did you go about creating the darker characters that you created in your storylines? Um, the darker characters. So I guess they're the opposite, really, of the hero or the heroine or both. Um, villains for right. a lot of the people villains, that don't know. You know, they become <laughs> the antithesis of everything the hero and the heroine stand for. Um, I, you know, I, I think it's yep. also a question of understanding what do they, you know, just like every other character, what do they want and why do they want it? Right. What, yeah, what do they provide? What does that character want yeah, what do and they what's their motivation? And of course, if you're a darker, more of a villain, you're going to be willing to do in many cases, anything to achieve your outcome. But then again, the hero or the heroine will often do the same, but their moral compass is typically better. <laughs> then, then the bad guy, if you will. Well, we hope they're better. Um, yeah, usually the bad guy to me represents, the villain represents everything the hero isn't. Yeah, and I must admit, when you've written the sort of the darker kind of, mm -hmm. I call leading guys, I love that. I thought that was such a nice twerk that you did because I'm almost like reading thinking this guy's got to be the villain and then all of a sudden the swerve of actually hold on this is going to be the guy that she ends up with I love that and I like I don't know why but I may be like one of a million people but I quite like the bad boys more than I like the yeah guy that you're I mean I, to well, I had one with. character in the original in the Amaveo Legends which is my first series about the shifters. There was one yeah. character who was initially, when I was writing book one, Unleashed, he was going to be a villain. And I ended up liking him too much mm -hmm. as I wrote him. And I, I, and he's a hero now. He won't get his book till number, it'll his book, uh, Steven, which is a, he's become like this fan favorite character. His, he gets his happily ever after in book three of Amalia Rising. So, Yeah. Wow. So there's something to yeah. watch out for. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, particularly, like, I, I have a bad guy in my series. Um, his name's Harold. And it's it's kind of awful, but I ended up liking him more than any other character in my series. Um, and I had to almost, like, that was the blessing of having Joe, was because Joe was almost, like, mm. the leash to me, going... You cannot let him <laughs> run wild, Crystal. You might really want to have him hmm. fall in love with everybody. And everybody end up falling in love with him. But he's the bad guy, Crystal. Stop, stop liking the bad guy. I'm like, but he's funny. I like funny guys. So yeah, that was, I must admit, the blessing about having show was having him mm -hmm. constantly remind me, this is the bad guy, you know? Um... And he's a he's a fan favorite as well, funnily enough, because everyone's like, "Well, what's happening to Harold? Is is something going to happen to him?" And I'm like, "His book's coming. It's coming. It's it's three away mm. from where I'm at now, and he will get his happily ever after. Um, it's just not going to be the way mm. that the fans are expecting. That that's all I can say. Because if I say any more, I think Joe <laughs> will flatten me, <laughs> and I'm I'm terrible for that. Um, but yeah." I, I enjoyed writing his book, and it is mm. the biggest book I've ever written. 
because there was so much to him. So much for him. To... It, was, it was hard to condense it. Yeah, it was, it was hard to condense him. What inspired you to enter the romance world with your own writing voice? Uh, well, I just, I had an idea one day, honestly, and I thought it, I thought it would be a fun story to tell, to be honest. I wish there was more, uh, and I'm, you know, I love to create, I'm creative by nature and I missed having a creative outlet in my life. So I wrote this book and I wrote it really just for me, I didn't really think it would get published ever. And then when I was about yeah. three quarters of the way through, I thought, you know what? Somebody, I think somebody else might like to read this because I really wrote a book that I would have wanted to read. And then I really thought, well, it's got to yeah. be a series because nobody's going to want to publish just one book. You know, publishers want a series. So and it just kind of grew yeah. from there. But yeah, I always, I love... My mother, you know, I was on a vacation this week with my mother and my sister, and uh, I we, we had lunch with a woman who was our nanny. Well, she was really the nanny for my much younger siblings, um, so I was a teenager when she was. So anyway, yeah. we went and met her. We were in, in Paris, and we met her and her daughter for lunch, and her daughter had read my books, and which was which oh, just wow. interesting. And she was like, well, how do you come up with it? My mother's like, I don't know how she gets all these ideas. And I said, honestly, I don't know. I don't, I, and most writers, you know, I wish I had a way to explain what made, I just had an idea and I thought, let's do it. Why not? And that's the way a lot of us get it. it you know, we'll wake up mm -hmm. from like asleep and it'll just yeah. be there. That, that story yeah. will just take over. Mm -hmm. For me, if I close my eyes, it's... I close my eyes. It's like mm -hmm. walking into a whole other world. It's like I open a door and I can go absolutely anywhere and mm -hmm. there's a story to be found. And sometimes it can be overwhelming and suffocating because if you're bored in the car, your mind drifts and you totally forget mm -hmm. what your husband's saying because <laughs> you're, you know, you're mm -hmm. exploring an idea. Um, but that's how it happened for me. And like, I've had people that's come on that said it was a bet. Some people said it was just an accident they walked into or a writing assignment that they did in, in, in university and it mm -hmm. just took off for them. So it's it's always interesting to hear, like, how all these amazing authors get into it. And, I mean, you were a bestseller. You were widely loved and still are. So, you know, your your experience mm -hmm. and your journey into this is, is an important part for, for anybody who's maybe sitting at home reading and thinking, I'd love to share mm -hmm. my story, but doesn't have that kind of confidence well, within themselves to take the job. you know, the, job the best advice staff. I ever got from about writing or heard was Nora Roberts, who I had the privilege of signing books with at her store in um, Boonesboro, Maryland. I signed with her there, I think, three times. She is, a, you know, she's, as you know, she's Lenora. Yeah. I mean, she's brilliant, but she's actually also hilarious. She's so funny. Um, somebody, she was talking to somebody, she was smoking a cigarette and they said, you look so good. How do you always look so good? She goes, bad living. <laughs> she's just hilarious. She's very funny. She's very <laughs> real, very honest, um, you know, individual. But we were talking about writing and she was, I was there, she was giving a speech at another, some other convention. And she said, you can't edit a blank yeah. page. So just put your butt in the chair and write. Because that's the truth, you know? And it's That is the best advice I've ever heard. You can have all the yeah. ideas in the world. And ideas are great. That's where the stories come from. 
But if you don't get it on the page, then it's just an yep. idea. It's not a book. And if you can't share it with anybody else. So and they fly get away. it on the page. Your first draft, it's going to suck. Mm-hmm. Your second draft might suck too. It's going to suck for a while. And then eventually it'll get better. And, you know, you want to have a good And a if you find the right editor, it makes can all sing. the difference, yeah. you know. <laughs> I love my editor. I mean, she's wonderful. Even though I think she probably has given up on me at this point. Um, a wonderful editor makes all the difference <laughs> because you're too close to things a lot of the time and you yeah. can't necessarily see the forest through the trees at a certain point and an editor is going to be able to get pull your head out of your own ass basically and say, okay, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense or, you know, this is, this is boring here. This they is get brutal this with is you, yeah. you know, you need to pick up the pace that's falling off here. So it's important to be able to take that feedback because it's, you know, the first time I got a manuscript back from my editor, it's a very humbling experience because you get, and it's all full, it's full of red and all, and yep. it's, it kind of feels like, so here's everything that sucks about your book. And that's not really what they mean. I mean, it kind of is, but it's meant just to make you better. And it's like anything else. It's hard to take criticism. It's hard, yeah. but it is important to listen. Not everything they say may be right, or you may agree with. And I, and I, you know, you can also say, well, I disagree with that and I want to leave it at the end of the day, it's your book. So, and your name is on yeah, it. And um, I think a lot of people forget that. It's, it is important to take that feedback and really listen to it because it also will make you a better writer in the long run. Better storyteller. That's I don't know true. if I'm that, that brilliant of true. a writer. I think probably I'm a, a good storyteller, but there's, you know, there are people who are much better writers. I think it's, I'm much like, I'm better the same. Than I am. But, I mean, the world building, to me, is my favorite part. I mean, all of that my is series, my connect, part except too. for my yeah. contemporary, all of my paranormal series are part of the same overarching yeah. world. They're all in the same universe. They're just different facets of mm-hmm. the, the universe. And that, to me, was the most important thing when I actually started writing, was I said to you know, when I saw Diana, I said, mm-hmm. I have to create this world. There has to be so much meat to this world that it is, feels like it's mm-hmm. real to everybody and everything. And when I hand over a book, that's the first thing an editor says to me is, mm-hmm. oh my God, this is a world. You yeah. have created a world. Mm-hmm. And some editors like that. And then some editors will go, mm-hmm. this is too much. This is This is overwhelming. And you just... It took me so long to find people mm-hmm. specifically for fantasy that could handle having an entire universe open up in front of them that I could see and that they were going to have to navigate through with me as a reader because mm-hmm. there was going to be so many layers, there was going to be so many twists, there's going to be turn- turns and secrets that are going to fall out, you know, to the point where my husband read it, my mm-hmm. first ever fantasy novel, and he was like, any other girl reading it would have loved it. The first mm-hmm. 150 pages would have loved it, right? Because it's about a girl being a reader who gets to go into a fantasy world, which I think is mm-hmm. every you know reader's dream. He said to me, it only got funny at page 150. Could you not cut out the first 150 <laughs> pages? And I was like, <laughs> brutal feedback, but okay. <laughs> Just to him, the gods mm-hmm. was the most interesting part to him. He hated my action scenes. He's like, and my husband says, no woman can write an action scene, which gets a lot of books thrown at him, by the way. Um, Mm -hmm. But 
as you can imagine. Um, but to me, it was like listening to him, listening to the readers was the most mm -hmm. important step I ever took. And it was the most important lesson I ever took. Because sometimes I will fight with an editor and say, hey, if you take away too much of the world, people are not going to invest in it because they want mm -hmm. to escape into a different universe, into a different world that they're not having That's to deal with their own crap in. So I have a tendency to overmix my genres. So sometimes it's a bit of women's fiction and a bit of romance and a bit of contemporary. Uh, well, most editors yell at me. I don't, you know, my, a, my genre, feeling is, I mean, an editor's you know? going to look at it that way because, and a publisher, because they're going to, sorry, my dogs are chasing each other. They're going to want to make sure they can figure oh, out. Oh, don't worry about it. Hey, come here. How to market it. They're going to want to make sure they can figure out how to market it. And if they don't have a clear yep. genre, it's hard for them to market. But you have to what? You have to yeah. write your book. And you can't worry about, you know, just write the story and your characters and build your world. And then, yep, you know, you go from there. But I, if you write See a what book happens. To, to say, well, what's going to sell and what's the market bearing? And to me, I mean, look, there are people who I'm sure do that and have success with it. It was never how... I wrote. I mean, I literally just wanted to write. And it's not a Most writers either. I know will tell you, write what you love. Write what you love. And it'll all kind of work itself out. But if you try, you don't want to force it. Because the truth of the matter is, that every, the heart of every book is a writer's passion. Any book that was successful has been successful because the person who wrote it was passionate about what they were writing. I think. And that comes through, yeah. And that's what I always said about yours was it's the passion that made your books no, thank you. so readable. I mean, I would sit down in some books, you know, you slog through some books and then there's other books you just fly through because you can feel that connection to the author. You can feel the passion that they've put in. You can feel the love they've put in. But I can I can tell if a writer struggled with a book when I read it because you can't feel that mm -hmm. instant love and that connection to it. And everyone reckons I'm mad when I say that, but it is. It's like a huge, important piece that sometimes gets missed, I always think. So when, and when you're writing, is it like a movie to you or is it a jigsaw puzzle? It's, I'm a very visual together? writer. So for me, it is, and you know, as human beings, we think in pictures anyway. Um, but yeah. for me, it's more like a movie, but sometimes it's out of sequence. Um, and sometimes, you know, I'll be mm -hmm. writing and I'll have a character who kind of shows up who was never planned. And I can't, only another writer will really get that. I told my sister, she's like, you sound like a crazy person. I was like, I know I do, but I can't explain it to you any other way other than <laughs> that this character just showed up. Yeah. And totally changed. Well, and totally annoyed the hell out of you too. Uh, Undone, yeah. which is the fourth of a legend book. Uh, the character who shows up is Osmodeus. He's a demon of lust. Mm -hmm. And there were no demons in my book anywhere in the original, you know, synopsis that I sent to the publisher, which I always send with a caveat saying, you know, the book you get may not be exactly this. Um, yeah, so, yeah, we all have to do that. So, you know, it and never he just kind of showed up and it actually altered the course of the book. It changed the course for the year. It completely changed the, the book. I think it was better for it and then he had a book separately i, I self-published a book about him mm -hmm. um and anyway so I, yes yeah you know you just do do you that's honestly you just do you I, for you the go most with the part, flow I, yeah. I used to be a pantser when i first started writing where i just wrote by the seat of my pants 
Um, I've never been a super detailed plotter. I'm kind of a planter where I have like a general outline of what was yeah. going to happen. But during that course of writing the book, inevitably it changes. Yeah, it does. And I mean, I'll start with like every chapter broke down in bullet points. You know, I'll know what's happening throughout the story. And then there's always mm -hmm. one character that just shows up. <laughs> and I'm like, Well, you're good at the bullet points. I don't even Here have I that. Go again. I have like a very loose outline. So I guess I am a pantser, but... <laughs> I Oh, I force myself to do bullet points. I, I do, and I, I hate doing it. But I mm. if I don't do it, I forget halfway through <laughs> where I'm supposed to be going. Um. So yeah, it was like, it was something that one of my, my editors said... Crystal, if you don't have bullet points, I'm going to literally throw this back at you. Yep. And I went, okay. And I went away. And ever since mm -hmm. then, I have notebooks around the house full of bullet points. And I've actually started, because mm. my characters keep changing so much, I have a little notebook I carry around with me. And I'll write down things mm -hmm. like the color of their eyes and their hair color and their body type. Because some of the stuff that I write, like mm -hmm. if, particularly if you're doing an athletic person... Mm -hmm. They might bulk up in muscle or they might mm -hmm. lose muscle tone depending what they're doing. And you have to explain that because sometimes a reader will pick up on it and be mm -hmm. like, wait, in book mm -hmm. one, she wasn't curvy. In book two, mm -hmm. she's curvy. What, you know, what happened there? And I'll be like, well, and rather than explain it every mm -hmm. single time I do one of those interviews or interactions, I was like, I'm just going to take a notebook and I'm mm -hmm. going to explain it in the novel so I don't have to sit and explain it out, you know, later on. And since I started doing that, I have actually mm -hmm. made less holes. And I have a friend of mine who read one of my books and went, you do realize I could drive a big freaking Arctic truck through this little part of your novel because you've got a huge plot hole in it? I never picked it up. My editors never picked it up. My proofreader never picked it up. And I was like, oh, my God. Okay. Mm. Luckily for me, no of my readers ever picked up on it. And I kept it kind of like, mm -hmm. I've always kept that a secret part between me and him. And I'm like, see if you tell anyone, mm -hmm. I'm going to jump on you. Because <laughs> I do not want them looking at it mm. and going, you have to go back and fix that. Um, but he is one of those hyper-intelligent people that can see holes in everything. <laughs> so most annoying reader to have, because he will email yeah. me notes after it's well, published so and be like... <laughs> No, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I just, oh, I get so annoyed with him. But it's fun as well because he points out things that I maybe uh, miss. So what's the character that stayed with you the, the most or the longest that you haven't quite shook? Um, there's two. I would say Stephen, who's this hero who's still got a book coming, who's hanging out here in the wind a little bit. And then Osmodeus. He's one of my favorite heroes. And Refusing to leave. Yes. I love, and it's one of my personally, one of my favorite books that I've written, um, Demon of Lust, Osmodeus, Demon of Lust, which is the first book in the Seven Princes of Hell yeah. um, series. But which there's only one. Well, and I yeah. wrote a novella of their honeymoon and everything afterwards. Um, but I probably him, mm -hmm. those two, Osmodeus and, and Stephen have stuck with me. And yeah. I always think there's one. There's one that you never get rid of. Like, I've gone mm -hmm. on and I've written other books outside Marie's world. 
but I'm guaranteed that I, every so often mm -hmm. she will appear in the corner of my mind when I'm writing something else and be like, is this really wow. more entertaining than writing me? And it just so throws me right out of whatever I'm doing. Well, and I'm I, like, I think it's <sighs> and I have fun. to walk like, away for 10 read minutes. Other authors books like Christine or Lori. Uh, I loved when heroes and yeah. hero and heroine from previous books would make appearances in subsequent novels. So yes, I, I have always done that just because it's, I just think it's fun for the re especially if, well, it's fun for the reader who's read the book, and then it's good for the reader who's not, because then you think, well, I want to yep. read their story, and then maybe you'll go back and read those other books. Because that's, I know as a reader, that's what I've done for sure. And they do, I, you know, yeah. And I always try to make, yeah, you want to make sure your book and, and I did it series too, yeah. is a standalone, so if you have a new reader, they can pick it up regardless of where it is in the series. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I did it with um, Shirley Cannon because I was actually reading her series and I had no idea that she was releasing Archeron, which was actually a prequel mm -hmm. to the series. So, so I'm just sort of reading along and then she's like, oh, by the way, this guy that's been in every book has got his own book. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> Scramble mm -hmm. Online comes out next month. Okay, I'm going to Barnes & Noble. Um because we had mm -hmm. Barnes and Noble back then, but it was called Borders, and it it was like that was my instant moment of mm -hmm. uh, I've read this out of sequence. But it wasn't that I had read it out of sequence; it was just that she suddenly mm -hmm. decided to re release a pre release, you know, pre series uh, novel. And I'm like, but yeah, no, I I it must have it made me go get mm -hmm. that book because I knew him from the rest of the series, and I adored him, and I thought he was the funniest guy that that it appeared in it. I do highly recommend it because she's done like a lot of okay. bear werewolves. Like almost like a bear that's like a werewolf. Oh. So it's really interesting if you get to that one. They own a bar right, and lots of funny stuff happens to them. So yeah, it's, good. it's a good one. What techniques have you found the most helpful and which ones have you tried what and wish that you hadn't tried? Um... Yeah. I think we all have one where we're well, like, you know, why did we try this? <laughs> I've made vision boards and things, for, but it doesn't really help me the way. What I found is it's actually, for me, it's a stall tactic. It's a procrastination tool. I don't, it doesn't actually help me with anything. Um, yep, music can help me, me sometimes, mm -hmm. but sometimes it's a distraction. If the best thing to do, if I want to have music on, is to play an instrumental song on repeat because then it's just like white noise in the background. But I would say trying to listen to lyric music while I write is yep. not helpful. Um, and the vision boards are a procrastination tool. They don't actually move the needle in terms of writing the book. No, I don't think that either. And mm -hmm. I did a whiteboard attempt. Have you ever done that where you, mm -hmm. you kind of like you put your bullet points yeah, the bullet points aren't, aren't my thing. I just have I to find write. That too distracting. I have an idea of where I want to go, and I write, and I go from there. No. Yeah. I, I, I made that stupid mistake. I spent, like, a mm. week putting together this whiteboard thing, and I did it exactly like this class online had taught me. And I hated it, because it mm -hmm. just, it wasn't, I couldn't, yeah. like, just put it out my mind. Mm -hmm. I felt like I had to keep updating the board. 
every time I progress through a certain, and I just know, I was like, no, Ian, just take the board away, get rid of the board. I don't want to see it ever again. I can't yeah. do this. And I just use paper. So like, if the book's getting into the point where mm-hmm. I need to stop paying attention to my notes and just pay attention to the book, I can just lock it away mm-hmm. or have Ian hide it somewhere yeah. and hope that he can find it later. <laughs> Mental note, make sure you know where it is later <laughs> on. Cause I have lost a notebook by doing this. Um, mm-hmm. And then just pick it up and continue on. But I always say, make sure you know where your husband's putting it. Because, yeah. Mm -hmm. Because you you don't want to lose the entire notebook. Um, So, you know. Now we're going on to life. And this is like the part where (laughs) I I know all the readers go, ooh. Because they think it's it's fun. So what's the first thing that you do to de-stress if you're not writing, you're not working, and you're not writing? Oh, uh, going for a walk with my my dogs. Usually one of them, not both. Because walking them, two of them together is real work. Walking one of them is more relaxing. Um, You know, connecting with nature on a walk is good. Um, And you don't go flying. You know, I'm not going to lie. I'll read a book. If I have time to read a book, that would be a great escape. Because, you know, at that point, I'm looking for an escape or a hot bath. Honestly, those are my, or talk to somebody I love, talk to one of my girlfriends I've been talking yeah. to in a while, you know. Yeah. For, for me, I just, I pick up a book and I just, I just go, I disappear entirely. Um, or I go into the bath. Mm-hmm. My husband says, you know, I'm the only person he knows that can go for a four hour bath because I have a book with me. And you know, that way you start reading, it gets good. You don't yeah. want to get out the bath because it's too good and <laughs> My husband literally has to come in and be like, out, you know. Tickly because we share a bathroom, so he's like, out, you know. Um, so I always, that that's my go-to. And what hobbies do you enjoy outside of, like, your writing and your work? And what do you wish that you could mm. explore more of? I'd love to travel more. I just started traveling again. Um, and I love traveling. I think it's... Yeah. You know, I, I went on about a month ago. I don't usually travel this much, but because of the pandemic, we had to move it. My husband and I were in Rome in March and early March. And it was, it was a very, it yeah. was a life altering trip in that it really shifted my perspective on everything, really my place in the world, the world as a whole. Um, I think we get very caught up in our daily day to day, whether it's, you know, usually with our job. And so you're in this bubble and traveling the world gives one a much broader perspective on everything from your personal life to professional life to other people, uh, your place in the world. You know, I kept thinking of that line from there's a movie, The Terminator, and she, one of the, some, you know, her friend says, in a hundred years, who's going to care? So, you know, while I was standing in front of the Coliseum, really in awe of the history that was there. And my husband and I were standing on a bridge that was built in 62 BC, you know, so I would love to travel more because I, I think yeah. it's good for the soul and it's good for uh, the mind and the spirit. Sorry. There they go. Dogs. So yeah, I would love to travel. No, more, that, don't, don't uh, worry about it. Countries. My cat does it. Experience other cultures and history and everything. So do you think you you'll know, ever do the romance? I, I sure, I would. I think I, I remember being asked about it. Somebody asked me to do it a few, years, a couple of years ago. I think it was first happening, and I don't, I don't think I think I had already committed to something else, and I couldn't. Yeah. The timing wasn't working. Yeah, I would totally do it. I mean, I think that 
conventions are a lot of fun. In fact, there was a writing, uh, there was a book convention in Paris with some of my friends. So my writer friends were at Rebecca Zanetti and Damon Swade, among others. Yeah. And I was so, they were there. It was like the day before I was leaving for Paris with my mom and my sister. And I had like this pang of like, oh God, I wish I was you know, doing that with them. Um, but I don't have a book coming out. So if you don't have a book coming out, it's not. So if I had a book coming out, when I have another book coming out, if there's a cruise and there's good, you you know, around compelled. the book yeah. release, I would do it. Oh yeah, I mean, I would, I'd do. I'm could sure you there are a lot of fun dinners every night. <laughs> the f- fun, yeah. Like, I mean, Rachel Kane said to me it was the best experience she ever did. Mm-hmm. She, she's not a, she was never a boat person, so going on the cruise for her was mm-hmm. like nerve wracking. But then she was like, I didn't get seasick, and she actually wrote a lot. Mm-hmm. She found she wrote a lot while she was at sea. Um, because there was like these long periods of time where they would actually mm-hmm. get to go away and just mm-hmm. relax. It was more downtime almost. And she said that was really good. Cause mm-hmm. She went into her cabin, she got into her balcony, she just sat and she wrote. And it was terrific. And I looked at my husband and I said, I quite fancy that. And he's like, I'm not spending two weeks in the Caribbean with a whole oh, if it's two pile weeks of romance readers. He's like, no, can't do it. Yeah, I think it sounds interesting. I mean, I, I, I spoke at Comic-Con, yeah. which was a really cool experience. That's I was different. on a panel with uh, several other authors, which was, we had a standing room only uh, ballroom. It was really, it was pretty wild. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I love, you know, I love connecting with readers and, and people who love the same stuff that I do. So, and so it is always nice to hear if somebody enjoys your book and your work, you know, and somebody tells you that it it takes them, they had yeah, they were it in a terrible time and that that book, you know, the series gave them an escape and, you know, or it inspired another writer or anything like that. It makes you feel good if you impact people in a positive way like that. Yeah, and by far, because, like, I was trying to interview Kelly Armstrong on the podcast. Mm. Um, but bless her, you know, she stays in the country, and we all know what country living is like. You don't get the best internet. And it was, she was so sad because she really wanted to come on. The, and I said to her, I'm like, well, I will keep your name. And if I get, if I make it to one of these conventions for a panel, you'll be on the panel. Uh, and I also said your name, and she's like, deal. <laughs> you know, because it was like... Because I'd mm-hmm. already sort of said, like, you know, if we had a table, at a, you know, sort of what would we build it as? And then, um, yeah, so she, she was in for it. She was like, yeah. <laughs> so her werewolf series sold me. Um, I love her Bitten series. Her Bitten series is amazing. <laughs> Very different. I Not what I mm. expect. I watched, stupidly watched the TV series first. Yeah, it's always I should have started with before. the books first. <laughs> but it's that way I clicked. Yeah, mm. and I clicked on it, not realizing it was a book series. Mm-hmm. And I watched it on Netflix, as you do. Like, it was the same. I, re- mm. I watched the Vampire Diaries instead of reading it first. And, you know, L.J. Smith's mm-hmm. series is massively different to what the, the TV series is like. And that, that, I just, I wish I had read the books first. I think it would have been a bit better of an experience. But yeah, I loved her series. Um, I'm sorry, the Klaus Michelson I did think Joseph Morgan did Klaus Michelson perfectly. Um, that's someone. All right, hold hold on. One that's second. okay. Hold on. No problem.
So the great thing about this show is that while Sarah is away, I can tell you a little bit more about what we're talking about. And Panels and Tables is really a chance for people to get together and to create an atmosphere together. And that's what we're talking about. So that's just a little side note for you guys um, who maybe don't know how these panels and tables work, but that that is essentially what we're talking about, is having a conversation, just a group of us, sometimes Mm -hmm. answering questions, sometimes teaching a little bit as well i would say and giving yeah, the panels are great you know for, for I, I you know i didn't realize that rwa really was i mean it's great if you're a published writer and there's always benefits from it but if you're somebody who's not published yet you know rwa was is an incredible yeah. romance writers of america and they have other branches internationally mm-hmm. it was a wonderful resource for um you know learning terrific panels and classes and online classes and I remember going to my yeah. first one and thinking, geez, I should have done this before I was published. But I thought you had to be published to be a member, but you do not. Yep. No, you don't. And the thing was, I got um, I got mm-hmm. greeted in by Sylvia Day was the person that sponsored me in. And I was just, I was blown mm-hmm. away. Like, I thought, you know, it would be someone I'd never heard of before, for sp- specifically because I'm British. And they were like, no, 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 you know, Sylvia Day said, you're cool, you can come in. And I was just like, it blew me away, totally, yeah. totally changed my complete outlook on the writer's organization. Because there's almost like a, a myth around sort of our romance associations where they think you have to be part of this in, in, inner yeah. crowd or inner no, elite it's a very to take friendly, part, and that, that's group. totally not the case. At least it was in my you know, experience. Again, I haven't, it's such an open place. I haven't done a convention in a yeah. couple of years, but, um, and obviously pandemic and whatnot, but no. Well, there's some, there's some small, I don't think, I don't think now anyone has to and everything, but again, until I have another book. Um, yeah, but that's it. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll be right here. Well, we'll be. Well, I know we're all waiting for that book for sure. Um, so, do you do crafts? Is is that another way you no, rewind I mean, to clear I your can. mind, or are I've you not really a crafty, crafty things, person? But honestly, my free time is pretty, yeah, uh, limited. So, if I'm going to do something crafty, it'll be like something around my house. Or, yeah, you know, like we just we're going to renovate the boys' playroom into a gym. Mm-hmm. So that I'm going to get crafty like that. But I mean, I've done crafty, but it's not, you know, I'm not, I'm not hitting up yeah. Hobby Lobby. For I think we all supplies. do. That's not my, not my thing really. Mm. I mean, I do, I do cross stitch. That's like my go-to if I need to get away, clear my head, um, particularly mm-hmm. during the pandemic when I was really in lockdown because I wasn't allowed to go anywhere. I discovered if I didn't craft or I, I had to schedule my day. I had mm. to have like sections of stuff to do every day. Otherwise I would go mad. So crafting saved my life really. Cause like, you can't write all the time. Um, and I thought, Oh, I'll be fine. I'll just write the entire time. No, it doesn't work that way. So I myself mm. as a long, have a long-term illness and it makes me slow down and appreciate mm. the, what makes you smell the roses? Probably, well, not probably definitely my, my working with seniors, you know, I, I love my job. I, it is the hardest yes. job I've ever had, except for maybe being a parent. Um, and it is, it is, but it's, it's really the most rewarding. <laughs> I mean, and you know, you're, you're helping people, seniors and their families, 
because they moved to our community. It's independent living, assisted living, and it's memory care. We have yeah. 288 apartments in the community that I run. And it's, yeah, so that's, you know, we could have up yeah, to 515 people living in the community once it's full. It's a new building. So I, when I got there in March of 2020 as yeah. the executive director, we only had 34 residents because it was brand new. It had just opened and then they had to stop moving because of the pandemic. Right. Okay. And then, you know, yeah. now fast forward two years later, we've got over 200 yeah. apartments leased. So we're growing exponentially, which is great. But wow. working with seniors gives you an enormous appreciation for life. It makes you want to make sure that you stay healthy and yep. that you age as gracefully as possible and as healthfully as possible. Because, you know, I've seen, I see both. I see people who, yep. you know, either through taking really good care of themselves or a good genetic lottery are in pretty good shape in their 80s and 90s, physically and cognitively. And then I have other people who that's not the case. Yep. And, you know, to help people really and make sure that the last whatever many mm -hmm. years of their life are going to be happy and engaged and living in a safe, beautiful, clean place where they get to connect and have a vibrant life. And that their family know that they're safe, you know, that yeah. gives me an enormous amount of uh, appreciation that's, that's because I important. see every day, every single day, what happens if you don't take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. And I also see the really the, the preciousness yeah. and the fragility of life is in my world every day. It's really, I mean, it's in our world, all of us. But you don't necessarily yeah. pay attention yeah. to it. And, you know, so there is a bit of like, yeah. seize the day, you know, this is it. You get far as we know, you only get one trip around. Maybe there's more, but no, so far there's no proof of that. So, you know, do the best you can be the best person yeah, one you can. Time around, you, you know, know if you have a dream, yeah. you have something you want to do, go for it. Life is short. Yeah, and what you're talking about is is incredible because over here, I don't know if you know this, but in sort of the UK, we've got a, what's known as a mm. senior or adult care crisis, and it's mm -hmm. simply because it's either people that haven't yeah. got pensions, have not thought about getting old, you know, and we don't have a very young generation to take care of them, and there's not a lot of mm -hmm. people going into elderly kind of care facilities now. Um, and that's scary. Like, I in Shetland, you know, you're we're lucky because a mm -hmm. lot of the the places where these elderly people go into, they have a support system already mm -hmm. in place so that they can go in and they can enjoy their their golden years. But there's so many people who in Shetland worked on oil rigs and never thought mm -hmm. about investing in pensions that are now suffering because mm -hmm. they can't afford to pay for their their aging years. You know. And that's kind of what the mm -hmm. government is up against because they're almost having to fix that problem. And they're trying to almost like, they're trying to fix that mm -hmm. and they're trying to fix the healthcare system and they're trying to fix the cost of living now because there's so many elderly people that are going into food banks saying it's a case of either I come here and get mm -hmm. food or I don't turn the heating on. It is. And that's, that's a no. scary thing. And, it, and you it's know, not it's just in our country them, too, you know, they call it situation. the silver wave or the gray tsunami, which are all the baby boomers who are now entering their senior years. So, and you have, you know, they make up, I think 37% yeah. or something of our population in this country. So that's, you know, a third of our country is aging. 
They expect mm-hmm. their generation to live. They expect about 50% of the baby boomer yep. generation to live to be at or around 100 years old. That's a lot of seniors. So there is a lot of seniors. Yeah, so you right. have this yeah, big lot, wave of, of people entering who are going to live longer than any generation before them. And we have to take care of them. And, you know, what do you do for the people who didn't, like, at my community, they're either very wealthy or they have long-term care insurance. So they were smart enough to get long-term care insurance, which will cover, you know, a certain number of years in a community like ours. But if you don't, if you aren't wealthy or your kids aren't wealthy or you don't have that long-term care insurance, the, the places you end up are not great. So it is a crisis. I think it's a worldwide no, crisis. No, they're really I think, not. You know, seniors no. are not given the respect and the that they should have and that they deserve because you know they've all been down the road we're traveling. You know. Yeah, they are, and I think it's something that they, we should have been taught in school, like mm-hmm. sat down and explained why it's important to put money aside for when you start your aging process, like when you get to that age where you can't work or you can't take care Mm -hmm. of yourself. Like these are things that we all should Mm -hmm. start to kind of think about now rather than. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, too, there's a breakdown of, you know, the time of people living with their parents or parents moving back with them. I mean, I don't know how much of that happens. I think it happens when people have no other option, but it's, you know, really the intergenerational and multi-generational. There's so much positive that comes out of that, of the generations living together. But it is also a lot of work. You know, you have people, you know, my age who, you know, I'm 52, whose parents are aging. Yes. And they, you know, some, a lot of people my age still have young kids. Mm -hmm. You know, I had my kids when I was very young. But so then, you know, you have people who are still working full time and they're sandwiched between dealing with their own kids and then caring for their parents. So it's that, you know, and they're, they're hitting like menopause and middle age. So it's this very, exactly you know, intense. It is, it's a very intense time. So anyway, the perfect storm of hell, but basically I would say, you know, I, I appreciate every single day because of what I do for my main job. And, you know, when we're, as soon as we're done here, I'm going to play Scrabble with my son and then I'm going to get some words on the page. Exactly. And, and funnily <laughs> enough, after I get off here, well, I'll be you. like saying, hi, hubby, bye, hubby, because I'm going off trades. Because <laughs> that's unfortunately that you have to, yeah, you have to kind of get the words down. So what's your favorite place to curl up during the day? It's usually like, is it by garden, either, cafe, if it's on the cooler snack? days, I love like to be to by the fireplace with the fireplace on. Um, and then I love to be out on my deck in the summer. I have yeah, a fire pit I love that for the too. cool summer nights. I love, I love, there's something about being by the fire that I absolutely love. I don't, even in the summertime, it's again at night with a fire pit or on the beach or something. That's my favorite place to be. I don't know. Maybe it's some like primal caveman instinct that I want to be safe and by a fire. But to me, that's a very calming. <laughs> yeah. I find it. I find fire actually inspires me. I write more if I'm next to a fire, which I no, thought was strange. I, love it. But I think the, but that you know you the best that, place I that I write is just sitting at my desk with the door closed and writing with no distractions. Otherwise, I want to. Sometimes I'm too tempted to fall. If I try to write on the couch yeah. or in the recliner, yeah. I'll fall asleep. So I don't get. Burned. 
<laughs> fall asleep. Yep, I've done that. Yep, my hubby will come over and he takes the glasses off and he lifts the computer off and he just covers me in a blanket and sees me in two hours. Yep, I've done that. I've had nights where though I cannot sleep until I finish writing whatever it is I'm writing. So I am terrible for that sitting in bed and my hubby will be like seriously turn the computer off the screen's going for me you know and i have to feel guilty and turn it off so yeah so we're at the final stage of our show where we do the word game and this could be books associated to the words or just a word that's associated that comes to your mind right away so we always do this at the end of the show it's a bit of fun some people have actually studied for this i actually find that i one of my guests studied she went through her bookcase and she tied every word i gave her to a book in her bookcase and i thought well that's dedication (laughs) give it to me i'm ready okay so your first word is feathers Family. That's a good one. Campfires. Sexy. Lightning. Mm, I love dreamy. that. I love that so much. Night sky. Delicious. Oranges. Summer. <laughs> Peaches. S'mores. And then marshmallows. All right. See, I had a camping theme going there for some reason. I just realized that. See, when I read the All words good. back, I'm like, huh, I must have been <laughs> thinking camping for some okay. reason. <laughs> but that's our end of our show, guys. So it has been a pleasure having Sarah Humphreys on. Do you want to tell us oh, where we well, can find you, you, follow you? First of all, thank you, you for having me on. It was very nice. I'm actually just books. getting back into my writing career. So as long as it works with my day job. Uh, so where can? So thank you very much for having me on. Um, and where yeah. can people find me? The best place you can find me on Facebook. I have a, a verified Facebook page, uh, author Sarah Humphreys. I'm also on Instagram, author Sarah Humphreys, and on TikTok, author Sarah Humphreys. I am. I, don't, I saw I, that. You know. Oh, you're on TikTok. On I, don't, is, I don't have very that, many You're the first on one to be on TikTok. Are, and I'm on Twitter. Yeah, I've had on here. Also, author Sarah at, on Twitter. Uh, but yeah, come find me. My website is actually gone yeah. because <laughs> I, do I was busy and wasn't paying attention and it ran out and I ne- and my credit card had expired that it was on there and so I'm going to have to eventually I'm going to have to eventually rebuild my entire website which yeah, is yeah like, we've I, all done that yeah but anyway when I have a book coming out that'll be my project but first thing I have to do <laughs> I will well we'll have you back on well, when it's I would out. love it if, any, if, that, if all goes have well back I'll get to promote book your book. For the next couple the next eight weeks and send it to my publisher and hope they still want it. Honestly, it's been so long. They might be like, that's okay. Wow. In which case, if they don't want it, I'll self-publish it. But I, I think they'll... Yeah. I, I would. Yeah. But we'll have to have you back anyway. Yeah. We'll have to have you back to promote it and talk about it. And uh, we'll have to get an email chain going and hopefully invite Kelly on Carly Armstrong and... Christine yeah. Freeman and Christine, have a table discussing yeah, paranormal romance and fantasy and just sure. push, push well, Crystal, this. Thank you very See much. what happens. I'm in. Let's do it. Yeah, and I, I'm pretty sure it would be fun. You know, we'd Remember be a that. table of shape shapeshifters and Nordic gods. So thank you. Can't go wrong with that. Well, it's been a pleasure having okay. you on, and uh, we'll see you guys all next week. <laughs>